Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic. Really excited to have my co-host and Fred Clare, uh, as well as our guests in Willie Sanchez and Mark Langill. Uh, Mark from the LA Dodgers uh, and Willie having been in the Dodgers organization for a while. We're going to talk about the All-Star Game, uh, something that happened 42 years ago in 1980 in LA and now coming back in 2022. Really excited to uh, not only see the festivities, the home run derby, celebrity, also you know the celebrity softball game, obviously being in the the heart of the celebrity uh, city, but uh, nonetheless, we're going to talk about how it got started and and where it is today. So, uh, gentlemen, welcome. Thank you, thank you for having me. Great to be with you, Jake. Great to be with you, Jake. All right, Fred, let's kick it off. 1980 All-Star Game in LA. How did it get there? And then what happened? You brought in Willie, you, you've worked with Mark. I mean, what's uh, what came to light in 1980 that has really set up this 2022 All-Star Game? Well, there was a uh, story, Jake, uh, just recently this week on the MLB site about uh, how the 1980 All-Star Game at Dodgers Stadium changed the scope forever of the All-Star Game. And um, indeed it did. And I think it um, really is a uh, reflection of, um, of all of the uh, great people that we had involved with the Dodgers, a group of young guys uh, with ideas to really uh, make it more than a game. Uh, you know, in past years and really almost leading up until the 1980 game, it was just that, a game. And we saw an opportunity to really take over the marketing of the game to create not just a one day event, but an ongoing event. So uh, we were the first team, as far as I know, to bring the, an old timers game into the mix of the all-star game that on the Sunday before the uh, Tuesday all-star game. Uh, we borrowed a, a page from a longtime uh, minor league executive who went to the um, uh, Padres uh, who um, had had the idea of having a workout um, before the, uh, the game, the day before the game, a public workout. Uh, and uh, we, um, uh, we did that, invited the public, no charge. And so um, we uh, mixed in a um, significant uh, dinner and entertainment. And um, it was, uh, I saw that as an opportunity for us to really change the scope of the game and knew that it was going to take um, additional manpower than what we had in our somewhat limited front office. Willie Sanchez was a longtime uh, minor league Dodger executive, someone I had gotten to know and had a great respect for. And I went to Peter O'Malley and said, Peter, this uh, to do this the way we should do it, we need to bring <laughs> in um, additional help. We brought in Willie with the specific assignment and probably, and, and certainly in the history of the All-Star Game, as far as I know, the only one who was added to an organization 
with that agenda of uh, making the All-Star Game a true event. So it has been, uh, really did a tremendous job. Um, Mark Langell, who's our uh, historian, knows all the uh, road that uh, was traveled. But it's great to see, like anything, the progress and the steps forward. It's nice to look back, and it's great to see where the All-Star Game and um, will be when it um, unfolds uh, tomorrow at, uh, at Dodger Stadium. Mark, being the, the Dodgers historian, is there any significance between the two games being hosted and 42 years in between them? Well, it's amazing for me because you introduced me as the Dodgers team historian and Fred and Willie, all their plans. I'm 15 years old. I'm a big Dodger fan. My postcard is drawn. So I'm in the left field pavilion and all of the plans that these gentlemen made just made such an impact on me because Sunday they retired Duke Snyder's jersey. And it's not just introducing the former players. Duke Snyder comes through center field with Joe DiMaggio and Willie Mays. And it just gives you chills as they go through center field and walk toward home plate. Monday is a free public workout. And that was a great lesson too, the respect and the admiration that they had for other major leaguers. It wasn't just Dodgers, Dodgers, Dodgers. It was celebrating the entire game. And then Tuesday, it, you just knew it was a very special game. So with everything going on in 2022, I, I feel like that 15-year-old kid looking back to 1980 because it was such an, not only an exciting time, but not knowing that I was going to become a sports writer and a member of the front office now for 29 years, those were great lessons as far as how to treat the history of the game, how to treat the tradition, and how to present it to the public. Willie, as Fred mentioned, you were kind of put in charge, per se, of, of bringing this all-star game to life in 1980. What was the biggest challenge? And then what have you seen from kind of the incubation of, of what All-Star Week has become? What have you seen grow as time has gone on? Well, the one thing I learned from Fred and uh, Mr. O'Malley was the reverence of the game. Uh, you know, when you're in the minor leagues, you become a Barnum and Bailey type executive where you're always promoting and uh, doing marketing, things like that to, to make minor league baseball big. And so I had a lot of ideas when I got to L.A., but uh, one of the things that uh, Mr. O'Malley said to me and he pointed to the wall one day, I was talking about ideas and it was the Dodger logo. And he said, see that? That's more important than you or me. So remember that. And so everything that we did was to perpetuate the game and the Dodger name. And so with Fred's idea and ideas and the crew that we had behind us, the support from Barry, uh, Steve Brenner, Jim Campbell, Novelty, Concessions, they all got together. My job was just to basically bring it together. We'd have sessions. I'd go into Fred with an idea He'd either shoot it down or buy into it. And then he'd say, okay, go ahead. Uh, the all-star game ballot type idea. I, I, I told him about it and he says, okay, go ahead. And uh, I said, well, where do I go? And he says, well, try Gillette. And Gillette is in Boston. So I got on a plane, went to Boston, sold him the idea. I came back to Fred and I said, they bought it for, I forget how many dollars. And that was the start of it. And uh, the big story, and I'm sure Fred will tell <laughs> I was just talking to Fred a little bit before uh, was Mitsubishi and their involvement. Uh, 
that was phenomenal. I hear, here I am a 34 year old guy and I'm learning from Fred and Mr. O'Malley uh, about business leverage. And let me tell you, Mr. O'Malley was the best at that. And uh, I thought we were gonna have to pay Mitsubishi a million dollars and maintenance to get that. And I knew that that was important to the game. But before it was all over, Mr. O'Malley had them paying us and paying the maintenance and also, if you recall this, Fred, he says, you're just going to get one little corner of that board, and it's going to be the Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi logo, and that's it. And I thought he was going to blow the deal. I looked at Fred, and I said, Fred, we're going to lose this deal. And he says, just wait a minute. And boom, <laughs> within a matter of a few minutes, Mitsubishi surrendered and said, okay, you got it. And I'm going, wow. So I, I had lessons like that at the big league level when you're in the minor leagues for X number of years. You, but I had a lot to learn, and it was the reverence of the game and the reverence of the Dodger logo. Fred, talking about kind of the, the history of the game, what has the All-Star game done for the game of baseball as a whole since it's become more than just a game? I think it's... Uh... Uh, it's a, uh, a true uh, spotlight on the game at the right time, mid-season. And as a um, youngster and a fan of the game, I always realized the significance. And I think what stood out to me as I thought about previous All-Star games when I was a kid and uh, Ted Williams played in the game or uh, Stan Musial, uh, the great uh, uh, Dodgers, um, uh, Jackie and Pee Wee in the game. I really always loved the thought in those days of the teams wearing their own uniforms because that was something you didn't ever see uh, at any other time of the year. And so to, um, to see that where Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio could be teammates for a day uh, carried um, great significance. But I think just a reflection and the spotlight on the uh, great stars of the game and uh, so now there is so much more involved. Um, but in essence, it gets down to a salute to the best that the game has to offer on an individual uh, basis. And, and, and a game that carries not ever, in my mind, a exhibition game, but a game that carries such great meaning. And uh, to see um, uh, the game that Clayton Kershaw uh, pitched against the Angels as a, uh, his final start before hopefully a start in the All-Star game. You could hear in his voice as he talked about that, uh, what great meaning this would have. So um, uh, players uh, who are fortunate to be a part of an All-Star team they never forget it. Sometimes it's one time. Uh, I stay in touch 
with a uh, Dodger. Some may have forgotten. Those of us with the Dodgers will never forget. Billy Grabarkowitz oh, became a one-time all-star. And something that Willie has treasured all of his life. And so uh, when you look um, at, uh, at the players, and there will be some this year that may never, ever return, but they will always carry the memories. And tying into all of that is the, uh, the best part of it, uh, the fans. And I think that's where uh, the improvement has been made and what our hope was to showcase the game and the stars in an expanded way so that the fans could enjoy it. I kind of want to add a little bit to that, Jake. One of the things, ideas that Fred came up with was putting together like a press bag, you know, for the, not just for the press, but for the players. And uh, we had uh, white polos with the logo on and we had all kinds of trinkets and things, but they were, and uh, along with that, of course, with the Dodger or the, the, the all-star game ring and so on and so forth. And I remember these players coming up to get, to sign in to get these. And I remember Steve Carlton was just so excited about getting this bag and the shirt and everything else that went with it. And he said, is there any way I can get another shirt? And of course I had directions at only one shirt per player. And uh, he says, well, I'll buy them. And I said, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I, I forget who came by and says, give him another shirt. So, <laughs> but that was the whole idea of making it special for the players. And to see a guy like Steve Carlton, you know, excited about something, it certainly made my job rewarding and, and, and enjoyable. It's amazing what, you know, it's things that people can't buy that they want the most, right? And it, and it might be something as simple as a shirt, which they probably get a new one every day, right? But um, Mark, you're, you're in and around LA, the festivities, the activities, um, what's standing out to you this time around? Well, echoing what, what Fred said and Willie said, I think as baseball travels down that analytics path, the all-star game and all the festivities, it's so important to be able to have that balance and show off the personalities of the players, the camaraderie with the players uh, from other teams. Because otherwise, if you just stare at all the stats and you just look at the game itself, you don't see that behind the scenes of the respect that the rivals have for one another. So I think that's the most important thing because at the stadium, when you walk around, you've got an analytics part that kind of looks like, you know, Caltech or uh, MIT, but then you've got this part and this is the emotion part. And this is the part that I connect with because not everybody is a great baseball player. And I was horrible in little league, but I love the atmosphere and that drama of going to a ball game and not knowing what's going to happen, that unscripted reality, and, and in a way, nothing has changed because it's still the same premise as far as you want to entertain the fans, you want to be able to showcase the personalities. Uh, the home run derby has been added, but you still want it to be a festival and you still want it to be fun. Uh, within a few days, everyone will get their calculators back out and their slide rules and their you know analytics this and analytics that, but at least for a few days, you can just take a breather and celebrate the game. And if you want to go back to 1933, the Babe Ruth home run, Carl Hubble and Fernando with the five, five consecutive strikeouts. Um, you can go down that road. And I think it's also important too, that every team is represented because in the World Series, a lot of times you've got the same teams or the same basic big market teams. 
but it's very important to have every team represented because that means those major league cities are represented as well. So analytics is fine, but you can just put a hold on the calculator right now and just kind of have fun and not worry about uh, numbers crunching this week. You know, one of the things Fred came up with was Captain and Tennille. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And I'm going, what are you talking about? Captain and Tennille putting a little concert on. What was interesting about it, again, the players, instead of going into the dugout, they were out there all around Captain and Tennille listening to this, to this little concert that they had. Uh, and again, uh, how the players responded to all these things. They were just, they absorbed it all. They didn't, it wasn't just a, let's go play a game. So it was a festival and it, it was enjoyable for them. Uh, so to be a, been a part of it, just like the players were, it, it was, it was a joy to me. Having seen the all-star game evolve, right. And from what it started with, what's something that isn't happening right now that you'd love to see, or, or an idea that's a little bit out of left field, we'll call it, but might be something that in the future gets adopted. Well, I think Fred did one of the best things and uh, uh, that he lit the fire up on the Lation Park up there. We had fireworks and we had a fire up in the mountain. <laughs> I'm sitting in the press box and I'm going, oh, my goodness. And uh, of course, the press asked him if he had intentions of doing that. And he said no, that he wasn't that good. But I would have said, yeah, that was <laughs> I think I think that's that's. I think that that's what it needs. Not everything has to be scripted, uh, but it's it's those little things that happen that that just stay in my memory forever. Jake, there are uh, people. I mentioned the San Diego executive who had the idea of the public workout, and I'll do uh, credit. And I didn't mention his name. That name is Elton Schiller, oh, a longtime Dodger, a minor league executive who I, I think actually at Spokane helped to train Peter O'Malley. Yep. And uh, another person, as Mark well knows, who's very, very important in uh, what took place was um, Mikio Matsubashi, a uh, friend of the Dodgers who had connections with Mitsubishi. And it was really Mikio, uh, the late Mikio, who certainly should be remembered uh, as part of the All-Star festivities this year, who really coordinated the connection between the Dodgers and Mitsubishi in Japan. And um, uh, Peter and I made two trips to uh, Japan and uh, going there with Bob Smith, our stadium operations uh, director. And I can even remember on a uh, Sunday, we went to Dodger Stadium, Mark may or may not be aware of this. And we looked at where the board should be because at Dodger Stadium, you had the old message board where words went up one at a time like a typewriter and the scoreboard in right. So there was an idea that the board, the Mitsubishi board could be in center field. And we actually on one Sunday had a uh, forklift company come out to put a, a plaque or boarding to see how that would look. And I can remember uh, Peter into his credit saying, no, that that's, that's, too much. That's too dominant. And the decision was made to have the board in left field. Uh, but that trips, those trips to Japan and the, um, uh, and Mitsubishi uh, saw the opportunity to really use uh, this platform, this game, 
to become the uh, the prototype for the uh, for the, the the big boards of today for the boards for the video boards, and uh, Mikio was right, and um, uh, and uh, uh, Matsubashi was or, uh, 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 was right because um, uh, the the other clubs came in and saw what was happening with our video board, and now. Every stadium uh, in Major League Baseball and every major stadium probably in the world has a, um, a video a video board. And one and one certainly bigger than that one, right? I mean, and one certainly uh, bigger than that one. <laughs> they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. As you think about, you know, Fred, you just mentioned the word platform, right? It truly is a platform. It's a it's it's a stage and. Mark, when you think about the, the good that the platform can do, right, for, you know, look, at the end of the day, sports is a game, baseball is a game, but what can it do for society, right? What are those things that uh, Willie mentioned you'll, you'll remember forever, right? So what are some of those things that you think the platform can take advantage of and that you may know uh, is happening here in L.A. Uh, this, this 2022 game? Well, as you know, Jake, the game was supposed to be in 2020, and we were so excited to be able to unveil the Centerfield Plaza. Now, two years later, we're able to do that. And just imagine two $100 million facelifts to a wonderful ballpark that opened in 1962, and it's a platform to be able to show off this wonderful facility. Now, you don't have to stay and watch the game in your seat for four hours there is a chance for people to wander around the ballpark. Janet Marie Smith, our vice president of stadium development, has put up so many displays. It's a living, breathing Dodger museum, but not only just a salute to the past, all the modern amenities that fans would want. And so that makes it a gathering place. We have the highest cumulative attendance for any pro sports franchise since 1901. So this is a place to gather. This is a place for people of all backgrounds to enjoy Dodger baseball in whatever form they want. They can be in the stands, they can wander around. And that's the most important thing, a gathering place in a place where uh, the, diverse, the diverse community that Southern California is reflected in the stands. And that's a chance to be able to show off nationally just a wonderful place Dodger Stadium is. As team historian, I don't have to look back and say, oh, it used to be like this. Oh, it used to be like that with nostalgia. I can look at that with pride, but I can also say, look at this whole new ballpark. Look at this parking lot in center field. And now it's a center field plaza. It's like a fair, a county fair every night out there. So fans will have a chance this weekend to discover that if they haven't been to Dodger Stadium before. Charlie Blaney used to call Dodger Stadium the temple of baseball. Charlie Blaney was Work, uh, I worked for him and with him, but uh, he used to call it the temple of, of, of baseball. And every time I walked into Dodger Stadium from Albuquerque or wherever I was, it was just, uh, there was something about it that uh, just just touched you and you, it was a wonderful place to, to visit. Fred, when you think about uh, the, the, the revenue generation side for the league and what it's doing to try and attract new fans and you know, what the game ultimately can be and continue to be moving forward. What are maybe some things that, that uh, they can take from the NBA or the NHL or other leagues as well? 
Well, I think the, um, the key thing is um, not necessarily borrowing from the other leagues. I think the key thing that to always keep in mind, uh, and the visionary of Walter O'Malley, uh, the vision of Walter O'Malley, and when you talk about revenue, you need to kind of peel that back in a way to think in terms of doing the right thing. The, the, the public workout to expand the game to the fans was doing the right thing that ultimately became a tremendous generator of revenue. The one thing that I would like to see for our game uh, more than anything is to be more open, inclusive of the, of the youth of today. Baseball needs to do a better job in building for the future. Baseball needs to do a better part, not necessarily in increasing ticket revenue, but opening the games to the young people. As Willie and Mark know, my goal when I was in marketing for the Dodgers, our goal every night was to fill that stadium, to have the exposure. So baseball needs to broaden its scope to uh, be more inclusive. Uh, as busy as the players are, as much as that is taking place, it would be great throughout at the All-Star Game, and I hadn't thought of this to now, in every city where teams uh, aren't playing, use those stadiums, bring out the guys who didn't make the All-Star Game, and in every stadium, invite the youngsters to come out and put on a clinic in Philadelphia, in Boston, in San Francisco, they have the boards that they, they can tie into the All-Star game. To grow the game, you have to start with the youth. And that's what more than anything baseball needs to do. That's an incredible idea. You heard it here on Life in the Front Office. Fred, we'll figure out some way, somehow, to, uh, to get somebody to act on that idea. Um, I think, you know, as we wrap up the episode, it's, it's been fascinating to hear your perspectives on how far it's come, um, but excited to hear from, from each of you predictions on who may win. Fred, we'll start with you. You, you have to go far with me. I, I'm a National League guy. Who do you think's <laughs> gonna win? Uh, and the Dodgers will prevail. I, I, um, I'm not objective about this thing. I'm a Dodger. <laughs> Mark, that's probably an easy one for you. I just want it to be a good game, and I want Kershaw, uh, whether or not he starts, it would be great if they took him out uh, in the with one or two outs so he can do a slow walk off the field and get that curtain call as opposed to jogging off. That's what I'd like to see, a moment like that. Forget the score. I just don't want any injuries. I want the fans to have a good time. But I would love to see whether or not uh, <laughs> Kershaw starts the game pull him with a, a, an out or two and get that long ovation that he so deserves. Good point, Mark. Willie, who's winning the home run derby? <laughs> I don't know, somebody from the American League probably, but uh, uh, 
the National League is going to win, Jake. I don't have any problem with that. That goes back Tommy Lasorda bleeding blue and uh, and Fred coming up with Dodger blue. So I still, what did Tommy used to say? Cut my wrist and it would come out blue. And so despite 42 years, I, I still bleed. I still bleed blue and I always will. Amazing. Well, Fred, Willie, Mark, really appreciate your time, perspectives, and thoughts and insights on the MLB All-Star Game. Again, just incredible to see how far it's come and, and excited to see where the next 42 years go. Great to be with you, Jay. Thank My you, pleasure, Jay. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.